this is going to be like a way more fun question uh, since you. Okay, go for it. And it's not going to be fun at all. You pre-planned your funeral. Uh, what are the details? What's your plan? <laughs> okay, first off, my plan is that whoever got my commission on that pre-need, you're welcome for your Christmas bonus because be I was probably juicy. the youngest. Juicy. <laughs> Madison, I'd love to know the first time you ever saw, uh, how about an autopsy? Uh, give us, yeah. uh, give, us something, give us something like that. We're going to dive right into yeah. deep prep room talk great. Uh, to start. The great, episode. great. And I, and I dove, I dove right into that one. Um, so I was working for the, the big firm in the world. Um, and I hadn't even gotten enrolled in mortuary school yet. I, I just thought I knew what I was you know, talking about when I was with families. And, and all of this is also taking place in the wild west of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was an arranger at the time. And there was a, I was on call that night and I got the call that uh, a sheriff's deputy had been in a firefight and had unfortunately passed. And the family was to come in the next morning. And at the firm I was at, the big dog on campus that was to see that family member or would have taken really detailed cases like this was off. And uh, that threw two-month-old funeral arranger me into the ring. <laughs> so I, I met with the family and I, I, I promised them, I'm going to go see this individual after our arrangement and really just tell you, you know, you know, can you really be with your loved one as soon as we really are trying to plan this funeral? So just cocky as ever 24 year old me walks in walks in i have the code to the prep room and everything and i walk in and my like the greatest embalmer i've ever met um his name is you know i can i don't know if i can say names but he uh just the greatest man he was just going away at stitching and everything and this Mm -hmm. individual had his chest plate just like leaned up against his right calf and as if it was just a normal day and I swear to you, I had never even been to the medical examiner's office. Like I, oh, no. I hadn't even, and, and I want to say that was like one of the very first times I'd ever actually stepped foot into the prep room. Mm. And he kind of turns and he's like, Madison, come here. Here's and he hands me a, you know, sutures and he's like, get started. And I was like, uh, okay. You know, and I was like, dang, it's really hard to sew this up. But it was just like, and he had been shot several times and it was yeah. just, it was the most intense thing. And then to turn around and I'm seeing several families at the time and to turn around and see a suicide to the right temple just come in at the same time. And I remember driving, I remember driving back to the funeral home that day, just crying. Like, what did I get myself into? I can't do this. And it's like, yeah, actually you can. That's just a really gnarly case. And that, oh man, great. Good for you for sticking through that and uh, not running because that, is a tough thing to see right away. I, there's a lot to say about, I don't know how I'm going to get through this suturing. or I don't know how I'm going to get through this arrangement with this family, but I just know I can because who else is going to do it? But also right. really not having somebody on the outside looking in that you can say, hey, can I talk to you about this really epic thing I just saw? And also I'd really like to go get Mexican food for dinner while we're talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> and so so that's really kind of interesting and, and I'm glad there's an avenue to talk about it. 
yeah, that that's what yeah. this this show is, and uh, <laughs> we, we should have shared some salsa verde uh, while we were talking. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> there's a huge thing with persistence as a funeral director. Um, yeah. You have to just be able to just keep going because yeah. some days are really hard, some days are easy, some days are yeah. like you you can't even take it. Some days it pulls on your heart. Some days it's crazy on your mind and things are weighing, you're juggling a million things. You just have to be persistent and keep your nose down and keep your nose to the grindstone and um, keep yeah, pushing exactly. through. And that's what, that's what makes us part partially why we're such special breed is because we all share that yeah. where, you know, a funeral director, they're, they're going to be one of those, those dogs in the fight a lot of the times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So tell us a little bit, of, I guess, uh, about your background, um, where you got started, why did you get started, and um, yeah, your whole yeah. journey as a funeral director. Yeah, I, I want to come up with the most elaborate, just falsified story that makes me sound like the coolest person in the world, but really, I can't, <laughs> I really can't tell myself where it kind of happened. I know that um, when I was in fifth grade, I was um, I guess dating boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, whatever with this, this, uh, guy who had unfortunately lost his mother in fifth grade, sixth grade even. Jeez. And I remember, and it was just the most, it was the most beautiful service that I can remember. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember going to the funeral and it being the first display of any kind of ceremony, uh, at all. The first funeral I'd ever gone to, yeah. um, in this massive church. And it kind of always stayed in the back of my head, but, you know, when they ask you at 12 years old, you think astronaut is what you want to be. And then you lose somebody else, you know, several years later, I lost my grandfather and my uncle wow. uh, in 2014, 2011 and 2014. And going to the funeral home and following the guy in the suit and, and just having the curiosity of what's behind all the closed doors. And right. that was kind of really what was really interesting um, but I had always seen representation in my family that um, I guess the word could be ministry, but it, it's certainly something deeper than that, um, that the way that I'm called into the universe to help people looks different than how it was represented to me as a child. My my mom has two master's degrees in nursing and my twin sister is a nurse. My eldest sister is a paramedic. My dad's a coal miner. So there's there's never been any kind of, here's a funeral director in the family and here's what start to finish looks like. And so I went to nursing school. I did the nursing assistant and it was during COVID that I went to nursing school and it was like, dude, I don't want to do this. Like I, I, I don't want to do this. I remember looking at my lab partner and doing very well in nursing school, but I was like, I'm dropping out today. I'm not doing this anymore. So yeah. all of this at the same time, since 2017, I had enlisted in the United States Army and I served as a corrections officer and, thank you know, before the pandemic, thank you. And, and before the pandemic, all I knew was your green army suit and, you know, <laughs> take orders and you just kind of get through the day, you get through the week and it's, you'll have passions later. And so yeah. the reason that I joined the army was money and education and school, but here yeah. I am doing exact opposite of what I really, really want to do in my life. So yeah. I 
I was really lucky. I called the local funeral home um, and I said, I'll just clean your bathrooms, dude. Um, yep. And I have a job because I just lost everything, everything. You know, I, I dropped out of school. I, I really didn't have any plans or, or prospects or anything. And they had me in for an interview. And three interviews later, I thought I had gotten the job as a receptionist, but Colorado Springs, Colorado, they uh, offered me the full-time funeral arranging position. And I worked with a great team of women and, and two men and, and our whole team at that firm was all women. And the oldest of us all was like 38. And so wow. coming to Texas, yeah, coming to Texas, you know, you have the, they're very patriotic here. So that's a really great um, yeah. attribute to have on your resume, but you know, yeah. you, you step into, unfortunately the, the male dominated field in this part of the world. And, and you're like, I, I'm putting my hat in the ring and I'm just as good you know, I can do this, but you know, my, my experience is that I, I built nothing. I came from nothing and I have no one representing what it looks like to be a successful funeral director or embalmer. It just, that is, that's me. And we're doing great so far. (laughs) That's amazing. You, you, you made your own path is, is what you did. And that's a hard thing because it's uh, uncharted territory that you don't know what's going to happen. The uncertainty has got to be super challenging. Um, Yeah. And, you know, going from the army into funeral service there, it's got to be just an interesting transition for a whole lot of reasons. So I'd love to hear about that, how that transition was. Yeah. Were there any similarities or what were the big differences? Um, Obviously, they're very different, but Uh there's something uh, in between, in between there that there was some correlation. Yeah, there is so many even just yesterday uh, i could remember telling myself this is just like the army so <laughs> when i when i <laughs> when i and, and the suits are kind of the same they're just kind of different you know uh we've all got a penguin suit in one manner or a pickle suit whatever but uh oh. when i when i enlisted or when i was getting ready to enlist the recruiter who was just this badass oh my gosh she was just if you Oh, I don't even know. So she was what I want to say, I'm going to mess it up, but a 92 mic, I think is what the, the coding was. So as a corrections officer, you're now a 31 series, 31 echo. It's all jargon to say I work for the military police corps and she works for um, a different corps that happens to have mortuary affairs within it. Oh, um, okay. And her desk had the Grim Reaper all over it. And I was like, I want to talk to her. And my husband instead had me sit at the recruiter's desk, who was his recruiter, who like is our, you know, our soul tie. And, and the reason I think that we ended up staying together and, and we got married and he, he claims ownership of, of our everything and whatever. He's just a great guy. But I said, I really want to do that. And they were saying, well, that doesn't have any openings right now. There's kind of a season for every job and some jobs are constantly hiring and some just yeah. aren't. And so I took the job with the most money, the highest bonus, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so I, I went through nothing really in basic was relatively on the same plane as what I do now. But yeah. what I will say is in 2018, I was in Guantanamo, uh, Cuba, and not per- someone that was even close to me. I didn't know of this person, but they had unfortunately passed and... I wasn't able to go to the funeral and we had to work all day to cover this unit's shift so that they could honor their, their lost or their fallen right. soldier. 
Yeah. And I was like, man, I, that is so interesting that I have nothing to do with that, but it's still impacting us in such a way that we're honoring this person. We didn't even know it. And it was just this like unity of, we don't know this kid, um, nothing like that. So when I, when I was working in Colorado in, oh, I'll butcher it, but sometime in the summer of 22, Mm -hmm. this individual, um, another individual, he was three days, three days from coming home from this nine month deployment. And he was found unconscious. And, Uh, and there was something about missing a flight or trading a flight, you know, the story really gets lost in translation, but when they brought him, he got to our funeral home, like 30 minutes before his service. And he'd come, he'd been all everywhere except you know, in our funeral home, all over the, oh, the world. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, no, it, it was like three weeks, I want to say, but he comes in and he's in his dress blues and he's the same rank that my husband is at the time. Weird. And he looks like my husband. And it, it's like, Weird. you just see people in that and you're like, Oh my gosh. So now, you know, not yeah. to say anything, but my husband's deployed and it's like, Oh, I just need this to not be my life. But yeah. And the positive of it all, the funeral industry, funeral profession, whatever, is all about hurry up and wait. And so is the army. <laughs> uh, you know, why are we getting to the church two hours early when you know that they're going to have a meal and oh, just, there's no body even here either? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's great. The camaraderie is really the morbid sense of humor, the camaraderie, um, just being checked on is Huge. at least where I'm at right now is just so unique. Yeah, you have to have that sense of humor. That's that's part yes. of the camaraderie with the people at your yes. funeral. And that always makes for um, the best jobs in this industry is when you have that connection with the people that yes. you're working with. I'm so lucky to work with my family, so it's built in. Yes, yes. But, yes. Um, I did yes. like uh, the correlation to hurry up and wait because as funeral directors, yes. that's a lot of what we have to do. Yes. Unless you like to fly, exactly. you know, a little close the close quarters a little tight um but that yeah. usually just leads to too much stress um but that's that's yeah. super cool tell us I, I i'm just interested so what did you do in the army what was your role and then yeah. um yeah i'd love to hear about it yeah so in the army um i was again a 31 echo which is a, a detention and resettlement or it's, a, it's just a corrections officer and the army has this fancy way of advertising it to bright-eyed, bushy-tailed little 19-year-olds, but <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I was in college, and I, again, dropped out because I was like, you know, I always said I'm really going to regret if I don't join the Army. Um, mm. Again, no woman in my family had ever been a service member, so it was kind of like, I'm just like blazing trails left and right. But um, What was that calling? Like, <laughs> where was it? Uh, it seemed like you've had multiple callings in your life, like you yeah. said, like, signs like some within so i'd love to know what what it is about you that has that you know the the only thing i can attribute it to was at the time my my parents had gotten a divorce it was it was an okay kind of event that i thought i was taking it pretty well um but i had always well i'd always kind of been a little bit overweight and this divorce caused me to just like not eat or anything and i was really kind of sad and I kind of actually got to a weight where I was like, oh, I could probably be good enough to like not be too big to join the army. And so Mm -hmm. that was really the catalyst that said, okay, you're good enough to get in. But then my grandfather, yeah, it's kind of, 
That's stories tough. aside, that yeah. is a really unfortunate thing that wi- women have to go through and men, whatever. Um, but the, the history of joining the service was that my grandfather was in the 33rd Army Band in Heidelberg, Germany in 1954, 56. Oh. And he'd always kind of talked about the military. Um, he always said I should join the band. I, I did. I played the clarinet from the time I was in sixth grade until I was uh, I guess a sophomore in college and I really enjoyed it. I love music, still love music. And uh, so I always was going to eventually try out for the army band. Um, yeah. But the money was too good to be, um, you'll call you'll hear it called a cage kicker. Totally the ter- the most awful name for a corrections officer in the United States army. But sure. um, so the calling really was just that I don't want to be, you know, 35, 40 and have regretted not going whenever, yeah. you know, I was yeah. 19, 20. And they say that your twenties are the times that you get to make mistakes and have terrible credit scores or whatever. So I was like, you know, let's just join, let's just join it. And my husband, my boyfriend at the time was really encouraging of me enlisting. So yeah. Super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. does remind me of uh, one of the first episodes that I did on here. It was maybe with like episode like four or five, something like that we had a gentleman that was part of the mortuary affairs and it was mm. one of the coolest talks besides this one. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm being, I'm being genuine as well. Um, but it, it was just such an interesting, interesting world that he came from and something that yeah. most people are never going to see their, in their lives. Even if you are a funeral director, it was just wild. Yeah. So if anyone that's listening is interested in that kind of stuff at all, you got to scroll all the way back and find it. It's a super cool yeah. list. And um, yeah. Well, and something I'd say, and I guess if we kind of have to put the funeral directing in a box for just a second, mm-hmm. something that is really interesting to kind of, well, no, let's take the funeral directing out of the box. We go to services constantly that, you know, we have um, veterans that served in Vietnam. We have Korean veterans. We have even um, enduring Operation Enduring Freedom, your most recent campaign, you have people that yeah. we see veterans all the time. And, and in a smaller town, it is such a really big thing to have the Army come out. It's such a big thing to have the yeah. Navy, have the Marines come out. You know, when, when the Air Force shows up, that says something. And then yeah. when you have these retirees that get this this big thing, it's like you have some quarrels with the little instances that you had in the military there's certain memories that you do want to put beyond yourself and and you don't want to be reminded of and there's certain things that you do in the military to just survive sure and and then you get to this resolution of this person's life and their family was so proud of them and and this military institution that came out to devote several hours of preparation and do all this that it's like when I, when I salute and I'm, I'm trying not to get emotional, but when I salute, I'm like, it doesn't matter anymore. There's so many things that I did that I really wish that, you know, a, a therapist and I could just get down and get into the weeds about why did I have to go through these things? And why did I have to see these things? And as just a 19 year old, 20 year old, I couldn't even drink to get through these things, but right. I did go through these things. And, and then you see that and you're like, wow, that's so incredible. And it, yeah. it speaks volumes to, you know, thanking people for their service. But what feels so foreign 
to veterans and, and, and even active service members. And, and now I speak on the veteran side of things that when people say, thank you for your service, sometimes we look at them and we say, but I didn't do anything. I don't, why are you thanking me? You know, the buddy that you ought to thank is the one that's at, that lays in Arlington now. And, yeah. and, and so it's like kind of carrying that weight of, it's a badge of honor, but it's also like, I could have done so much more, but it all just comes to this finite resolution of people are really thankful for me and they're really thankful. And I'm really thankful for the people that show up and that give such honor and dignity to veterans, especially I'm a huge proponent of thanking Vietnam veterans for their service, for just this lack of welcome and praise and admiration that they got. So funeral director in me says, everyone deserves reverence and everyone deserves dignity, but it, yeah. it's really just the highest exemplification or exemplary example yeah. of that. So there's my soapbox. <laughs> yeah. I got the chills multiple times. On yeah. the, on the it must, it must've been a little cold on top of that, that box. Because you know, I, I think Texas is getting a cold, a cold <laughs> front or something. Let's, so, yeah, much let's, good, you know. so much good stuff there. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you. We, we had a, we had a service this morning for a gentleman that was a veteran as well. And it's just every time it, it, it gives you that, yeah. that feeling and it's so special and it's special to the family. Like that is such a big, yeah. like the family, it means so much yeah. to them. And when, as funeral directors, when we're able to connect and make that yeah. happen for them, it's exactly it means, it means the world. And, um, you know, like you were saying about the fallen soldiers, I was, I was in Normandy um, a few months ago, and that was wow. literally life changing. Yeah, like to go yeah. there. And I recommend anyone you know that that's from the United States or anywhere in the world really just to go see it because it was amazing. Yeah. But funeral directors, wow. especially, and getting to go to the American National Cemeteries in yeah. there, it, it was so so cool and an experience that I'll I'll never forget. And um, it's yeah. just things like that, that there is, there is that connection that we have. Yeah. Um, well, and it breaks you out of that. It, it almost breaks you out of like some, some little bits of burnout that we tend to yeah. find ourselves in. Like, you know, it's just another cremation family and it's just another this and okay, I got to, you know, make sure I call the army and, oh, did we get the flag? And, and you, you do all these check, check your boxes and then you get there and it's again, you're like, okay, Whoa. it was all worth it the family didn't even know that I was nervous to even think that the army wasn't going to show up today. Yeah. I just faxed it over last night. And it was like, come on, know, it's the uh, army. You know, thank, they're going to be there. <laughs> and thank goodness the VFW just has some great men in it. And, and yeah. it's just, it's really interesting, especially, you know, I'm 26 years old and at 25 on my wedding anniversary, my five-year wedding anniversary, I pre-planned my funeral. And it was like, oh, that's not really, you know, I pre-planned my funeral. And I said, you know, we always joke amongst ourselves, you know, the cheapest funeral was yesterday or the cheapest pre-need to plan was yesterday. It's yeah. not getting any less expensive. True. And I remember sending over the paperwork because I was in Colorado and the person that I wanted to pre-need with is in Texas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember he texted me and he said, do you want to put your DD-214 in the file? You know, and I'm like, I don't, I don't think I deserve that. Like I, what did That's I do? And, and it goes back to, well, and it, and it's very, I think it's, it's just, just that thought you kind of have that I did end up putting a DD-214 in there. It says, you know, which, which I had 
you know, I had to go back and say, okay, this says that I had this many things, but it's, it, that's wrong. And when I, I got a DD-214 when I got out of basic and then I got a DD-214. I have like three of them, which is different from than how my husband will get his. But I was like, this says private, but make sure that specialists and that's such like the, the funny, I hate to say funniest rank, but the most rank you can have with the least amount of responsibility is your, your little specialist, your sham shield is what we call them. They, they okay. avoid all responsibility, but <laughs> so it, it's kind of like, did I, do I think I, I deserve it. Well, it's not really about that. It's about this resolution and your family getting to say like, you know, the, the transference of the flag to my yeah. husband or to my chi- children. Right. It's just this like, people are so thankful for your service, regardless of what you think your service meant to you. It means something to that mom and that dad that didn't get to carry their son into, you know, the next stage of their life and hold their children. They have to put them in the ground. And, and it's, right. All of this to say is it's sombering and I'm, I'm not trying to be sad, but at the same time, it's like, man, it really puts in a perspective that we, we see so many families all the time. We see the same types of services. Everybody has a little bit of a unique element to their thing, but it all kind of just makes so you feel like, okay, I know why I'm here. And I know that there's a reason I did have to serve in the military before I could figure out that I wanted to serve people in a different capacity that's right. justice fulfilling. It's it's two different types of service, and they yes, both exactly. are calling and both are service. And exactly. I guarantee your family is extremely proud, and they 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 want to, you to have that. And I, yeah. I, I know that speaking from me and millions of other people, like they're so thankful to the people that do that to yeah. protect us and protect our our freedom and everything exactly. that we have here. Um, and yeah. I and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, all the few homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. I want to know, uh, to transition a little bit off of that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is going to be like a way more fun question uh, since you- Okay, go for it. And it's not going to be fun at all. You pre-planned your funeral. Uh, what are the details? What's your plan? <laughs> okay, first off, my plan is that whoever got my commission on that pre-need, you're welcome for your Christmas bonus. That's because be I was probably juicy. the youngest. Juicy. <laughs> you were probably. Well, I, I would have gotten was... my license <laughs> just for you if I would have gotten to write that. Goodness. Literally. Uh, and you, Oh, my gosh. And it was. I pre I pre- I took my grandmother in in October of last year, and then uh-huh. in December of that of last year, I I was like, yeah, I think I'm ready to do this. Like, I want, and it's kind of um, I hate to say it's like controversial to say as an embalmer, I don't know that I want to be embalmed, but you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna let, and I I would love to have a student or an apprentice embalm me. 
um, because I just want to be problematic one last time. Um, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I think just by, want, the time, I just want... <laughs> by the time you're done, uh, there's going to be some artificial yeah. intelligence robots embalming. And then sure, we'll <laughs> sure. I want that machine to glitch so bad that the 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 you're kid, to, the student, has to come yeah, in at three o'clock in the morning. In the, Bring in the eighty-year-old, yeah. the only one left. And I, <laughs> and I want to, and I want to die on a Thursday and ex, and demand a Saturday funeral with you know visitation the next day. Anyway, so my my pre need is, and you know I I do have a full traditional. I'm gonna go out to the cemetery that all of my family's at. Um, nice. I would like to have a visitation. I'd like to have a funeral. Um, I don't want to go to a church or anything. I'd like to stay at the funeral home. Um, the unfortunate thing is my pre-need is not with the funeral home I currently work for. So mm. I kind of just said, hey, I want it transferred over here because I'd love to be in the chapel that I currently work at. It, it just, yeah. it just kind of makes sense. It seems like the community would be really thankful for that. Um, sure. And then the biggest thing, which I, I did not think that it was going to be like, oh, yeah, sure, we can do that. But I said, um, if I don't know if it's a baseball casket or who possesses the casket or, or whatever, but it's like you're, and it's not because I'm cheap. It's not, but because my, my funeral, my pre need sure. ended up being almost $12,000, but I thought Ooh. not cheap. <laughs> but uh, in 70 years. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This 250 I spend every month is nothing. Anyway, uh, it's the matte black Apollo non sealer casket. I don't cool. care if people call me cheap. I don't care. Black makes you look skinny. And I just think I'd never seen a matte casket before I, I walked into that um, selection room with my grandmother. That's and that's her sick. casket that she selected, too. Oh. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's me. That's super cool. Let's, uh, I, so you were a funeral director uh, in Colorado. Now you're in Texas. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know yep. uh, the comparison between the two uh, different different mm -hmm. areas of the country. So let's hear about the difference. Yeah. So I I was a funeral director in Colorado. Um, they all are funeral in, directors yeah, in Colorado. They are. They are. And I'm kidding if you're from Colorado. I, no, you guys are great. Don't watch I on YouTube. Consider myself. <laughs> I consider myself one of you still. Um, but I was in the heart of Colorado Springs. Um, so right there, central to Peterson Space Force Base, the Air Force Academy, Fort Carson, all of it. So, cool. you know, military funerals were prevalent all the time. Um, yeah. But so I was of like the team. I don't remember if we had 10 or 12. There was only two men. Um, my general manager was a, a, a person from Colorado, or California. Very, very, very progressive. Very um like employee forward definitely cared about are you taking care of yourself you know Good. what's left of you at the end of the day um and that's not to say that texas is not as considerate but the dynamic shift from 90 percent cremation in colorado just the uh, mobility factor i think was really a big thing okay. moving to here it's a younger population a lot of the times that i was really being with and serving um and here it's, you know, you have your full traditionals, you go to the church. It's very, right. it's very, very uh, religious. Whereas there it's very humanistic, not to get terminal terminology into it, yeah. but um, it was, a, it was a great experience. I think I got the best of both worlds when really so. no experience. I wasn't even in school. I 
I do think that there are moments that if you pluck somebody off the street in theory and, and say, okay, you're a funeral director now, there's a learning curve. But I had a great team there. I had great teachers and great preceptor for my embalming. So I, I think that, and my embalmer preceptor teacher went to, he went to Houston, so we won't credit him or we won't get him for that. But <laughs> the, the dynamic is just that people are more accepting of your green burials and your um, cremations, whereas here we're still a couple of years behind and, and we're still very, very religious, but it doesn't mean that either are right or either are wrong. No, not at all. I'm neither are the right way, the wrong way. It's all about whatever is good for you, exactly. good for your family. Um, I'm exactly of that. Uh, it doesn't matter one way or the other. So yes, exactly. That's cool. That's cool that 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 you you get to be a well-rounded funeral director then because yeah. you've different experiences yeah. and you've been in front of families. You've also been in the prep room, so it's a good mix of yeah. things, and that helps give you experience for your career and for later on. What are your yeah. goals? as a funeral director um, down the road since you're still so young. And it seems like you've had a whole yeah. year and a half already. So uh, yeah. what are your goals? I, I don't, I don't know. Get through the week, get through my next ah. on call schedule. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Actually, I think that I have several goals. Um, you know, I used to think that owning and managing would be in the future and, and maybe that is one day, but, I'm really happy not making such big decisions right now. Um, I think I'd like to continue my education. Um, I think I want to pursue like either a master's in psychology or just something that my biggest thought is coming from a progressive place into um, a kind of a more rural area. Uh Something that I really, really like about where I used to be was that we had legal on our team. We had, we had a, employee like it wasn't like a therapy program but we had a we had institution built in yeah yeah so I kind of see maybe integrating into more um places like where I work at in this area just saying hey I think maybe we ought to have just this outlet for myself or for my coworkers to just close the door and just get things off their chest or even having you know yeah legal on our team that it's one thing to say, okay, you have a will, here's what the will says, and this is what we're going to do. But it's another thing to say, instead of saying, well, I don't really know anything about probate, and you'll have to talk to an attorney about that. Instead of that saying, well, let's go down the hall, or let's go next door, because we work in cahoots with this person. So I kind of see the need for more education in more than just, you know, your death studies and, and, and embalming. I think just being a little bit more well-rounded emotionally, a little bit more emotionally intelligent, and yeah. more like litigious, I see that being a thing. So I'd like to maybe one day be a part of the team that integrates that into this area. Um, and then I see myself, I'd love to be a professor. I know that's really kind of silly, but I don't want to go teach in person, but I'd love to just teach. I used to love being a tutor and yeah. love all that. So I think, I think, you know, at 26, do I have a lot of experience um, to teach people? No, but I, I do think that my education could have been better if there were people that had a better experiences and that shared them and that translated over the screen. Cause I was of the group that had to do the distance learning. So right. I don't know. I see that. I don't have any other plans other than that. Well, I mean, it sounds like you have uh, some, some ideas for, for routes that mm-hmm. you can go. 
Um, yeah. I'm always a, a huge supporter of just increasing your knowledge. Um, yeah. Knowing about those things that the family deals with after the fact or during the loss. You were talking about probate, yeah. things like that nature. That's a huge thing for us to learn about. And then even better yes. if you have a specialist like that's involved. Yes, exactly. Then we, we become more than just these are the people that bury. These are the people that cremate. Yeah. Like they're doing yeah. everything. They're they're trying to make this whole process easier for us. Same thing on the emotional side. And this is more yeah. like the tangible side of things. So I think that's really cool and something that's probably going to continue, not probably, it's very likely going to continue on going that to that trend where it's more full service as far as how we're helping. Yeah. Well, increasing just the, the availability of aftercare, because, yeah. you know, we know that people can come to the funeral home at any time and pre-plan for their, you know, imminent, you know, mother or father. But after you come and pick up your death certificates, we, it almost feels like sometimes funeral homes will say, okay, bye, you know, next time someone dies, give us a call. And it's like, uh, you walk out of the funeral home okay. with that urn and those death certificates. And you're like, what do I do now? And yeah. even just educating yourself when the time comes for our loved ones to die and say, okay, I know that this is the next step. But now having somebody that's human that could say, I'm going to walk you through all of this. And I want really nothing in return other than to know that you can rely on somebody to walk you through this from the very beginning to the very end. Yeah. I think it's so important to stay in touch with our families, yeah. whether you're yeah. using a service or you have someone in house that's doing it. It doesn't matter. Super important because yeah. once they go through the loss and everything's done, you spend some quality time with that person more often than not. So you need to yeah. keep that relationship and that's going to help the future business. Yeah. It is hard for us, and I understand it because I've been in that situation before when I first started my career as a funeral director to be like, done. That family, I'm done with it. Yes. Like, hey, it's yes. over. Can move on to the next thing. And we need to have systems in place that, that keeps in touch with them, that keeps engaging with them, that keeps helping them down the road yeah. because that's where people are going to see even more value. There's less value seen on physical products nowadays, and that's what our yes. industry was built on. That was the foundation for yes. a long time. The caskets, you know, the vaults. Now yeah. the actual plots. Now it's all about the service. So it's like we have to yeah. separate ourselves in that way. How can we be better serving families? Well, and isn't that an interesting dynamic that we're talking about how the funeral industry is hurry up and wait in the same way that the military is, and mm -hmm. but yet we're saying that we need to do more of that to just slow down and really be present with the family and walk them through it as much as we'd love to say, okay, at five o'clock I'm leaving regardless if anything has gotten done. Right. But it's like, you know, people yeah. see us as these subject matter experts of things that we, we only know what school taught us and what we're willing to reteach ourselves and invest our education in. And it's, I think really people, if they could see behind the, the black curtain of funeral directing, it'd be like, we're all just, you know, running around with like, you know, the dumpster fires in our heads, but keeping it cool on the outside. When we, we, I, What do I do with my hands? I don't know. <laughs> that's literally what it is. So, it's, it's yes, the exactly. burning all around your chaos, but you're keeping composed. Yes, that's, that's, yes, exactly. That's yes, exactly. Uh, I'll give you, I want to give you one more last question because you touched on it yeah. right before we, we started uh, recording. You have a good story mm -hmm. about uh, a removal that you had to go through. Us feeling yeah. directors, we love a good, we love a good morbid story. So give it to us. Yeah. So I had just 
like we just gotten a call from the sheriff's department and here in Texas, um, we do regularly have uh, sweaty summers, but this summer was relatively probably the worst that it had ever been. Um, 108 degree days. And at oh. some time in August, Oh, it was just terrible. And it was just terrible. And sometime in August, we got a call about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I had been working for a firm that at five o'clock we left. Um, and so it was, it was about a 30 minute drive out there. Um, and I don't, I don't know if we got heads up or we didn't, but she was several hundred pounds, um, to the tune of, I'd never seen somebody that large. And she was in a mobile home or or more like an RV, a travel trailer that, and she was, she was, I want to say on her back and it was just, it was, it was very difficult and she'd been there overnight. So there's no telling how long she had been there. Um, And I remember going up to the place, um, to the travel trailer, and there was five really steep concrete steps to get in. And well, as soon as you walked in, <laughs> nope, it wasn't because as soon as no. you walked in, you got the bathroom. So there was no way the cot could come anywhere. There was, there was no, and she, it wasn't like what? we had a mobile cot that you could stand up and no, there was nothing. So what we ended up having to get, well, we ended up having to get it six, six men, several of her brothers and several, you know, of, I think even her father, but getting her and walking her down the steps in the sheet. All the while, I'm leaned over her, moving these these items around her, and this dripping starts happening on my head. Oh, and I'm like, oh. I'm not a nauseous person. I don't mm. have an a, a, a uneasy stomach about certain things. I, I go into house fires, and I think, yeah, barbecue does sound good for lunch, you know. But <laughs> I remember... <laughs> I remember. Detroit, mm, yeah, nice, yeah, like man, nice, uh, it smells good. good. Yeah, yeah. And I remember turning and looking at the sheriff's desk, and I was like, "What is leaking from the ceiling?" And oh, it was this God. old air conditioning, and there was mold all over it. And I was like, oh. "I am cutting all of my hair off. This is all in my I, head." But I thought so it was a, a different the, sort of leak. I thought no, I don't. I and I thought so too. And I was like, "There's no way." that all of these terrible omens are happening on this one remove. And then of course you have to wait for, I don't know if there's justice as a piece where you're at, but there used to be coroners where I was at. Yeah. It's, it's like um, your person that determined it's like your legal authority that determines uh, a need for an autopsy in the absence of like um, in Dallas, you get your coroner and your medical examiner right. here. Your JP does your marriage certificates and your, eviction courts and your death investigations. And, and at the time there was a, a great justice of the peace that was there. And um, I ended up not being on the, the, the moving down the steps part and said, I held this big sheet so that no one could see it happening. And there was, there was just nothing we could do about it. She, she did go for an autopsy and I don't think we even did her no. uh, restoration on that. I don't think we could have, but thankfully thank shout out to all these trade services that do things like that because, Oh my it. gosh. But, yeah, hundred. Yeah, and you could see the the sheriff's deputy was just like sweating, and he was getting nauseous. And I was like, I, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be here. Yeah, let alone so. someone else that's not in the industry. Yeah. That sounds horrific. Yeah. And, and I and I I will never. And I'll never buy an RV. I maybe one day if, if the money is there. But I was like, <laughs> this is another reason I don't want to die alone. I don't want a cat, and I don't want to, uh, you know, be found. So, yeah. <laughs> 
the three uh, yeah. the three staples of a funeral director. You, you just yeah, exactly. Medicine. <laughs> I I wrote a I wrote a paper one time. I know we're getting done, but I wrote a paper, and it was just this like uh, spoofy kind of thing that was like, if you want to please your funeral director, die in a convenient position. And die between the hours of eight and five, please. So yeah, yeah. If if you're actually laying on the cot uh, as you go, that'd be perfect for me. Yes, if you could just lay here on my embalming table, we'll, oh. we'll call the JP now. Hey, undress yourself Man. first, please. Yeah, exactly. uh, that would be great. Exactly. You got a pacemaker? Take it out of yourself. <laughs> got it. <laughs> so the dream, the dream. Yeah, Madison, this yeah, has been would super be. fun. Uh, what a great yeah. conversation. And um, thanks just just we appreciate everything you've already done in your career and uh i, I love where, where you're headed and um it's just a really fun to hear your story and just to get to talk yeah. to you so we appreciate um you just taking the time and everything that you've done and everything you're going to do you're going to help a lot of people i can i can tell well thanks for letting me be here and thanks for giving me a, something to laugh about this afternoon i'm the lucky one that's off today so you got to get back to work ah 